Hey, you stay. If you stay, we're liable. We're liable to keep picking. So. Sauce ready. That'll be the first time the cops ever show up to a church service. You guys keep it down. Howdy, y'all. My name is Tiffany Keith. I'm the preaching pastor of Heartstrings, Bluegrass, Worship, and Wild Hearts. Welcome to Give God an Inch, where we open ourselves up to God's nudging. I will read one of my sermons, read, not preach, totally different things. What I write and what comes out on Sunday mornings are not the same. After I read the sermon, we are going to take a little bit of time to reflect on it, what I said, why, and maybe what hit the cutting room floor. God, you are our strength and our shield. Our hearts trust in you. In you, we have found our courage. Our wild hearts dance for joy, and in our songs, we will praise you. Psalm 28, 7. God, you are our strength and our shield. Let us pray. O oh God, open us up. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. God, open our hearts that we might feel. And then, O oh God, open our hands that we might serve you and your love. Amen. If you walk over to the church, just right over there, and you walk inside and go into Kent's office, there are some books sitting right next to his computer monitor. If you grab the smallest book on the desk, it's a small black book, and on the cover, it says, United Methodist Book of Worship, Pastor's Pocket Edition. And if you open that book, go to the section on death and dying, you will find a post-it note with the words to the Lord's Prayer, written word for word. And I know that because one day, not that long ago, Kent was teaching me again about funerals. Now, I've done a bunch of funerals over the last decade here at the church. I enjoy doing them. It's an honor to get to walk with a family as they walked their loved ones that last mile home. I get to do them, but I don't do them often. And it had been a while. So I asked him for a refresher when I had a funeral scheduled a couple of months ago. We were walking through the service that I was doing, and it included a graveside service. Now, I have not done very many of those. So when we got to talking about graveside services, Kent put away his Bible and other books he had out, and he pulled out the pocket edition. And he said, I bring this one to the graveside services, and it has all you need. And he opened it up and started walking me through the liturgy. And when he got to the Lord's Prayer, he showed me the post-it note. The Lord's Prayer, written word for word, which made me laugh. Because when I opened my United Methodist Book of Worship, Pastor's Pocket Edition, to the graveside service, I found, written word for word, 
a post-it note with the Lord's Prayer. You would think we would be confident in our ability to remember it when we need it. I mean, we say these words week after week after week. They sit in our soul in a deep way. Not because Jesus said them. Jesus said a lot of things. But because we come together and repeat them together. When one person wanders off or loses their place, it's okay because we have it together. And it's not like we could suddenly change the words we say. I mean, they become part of who we are and we notice when they aren't right. I have a friend who was raised in a Presbyterian church and she'd come to church and sit there and when we'd get to the Lord's Prayer and we'd get to the forgive us our trespasses and she'd say, forgive us our debts every single time. Because when we come together and say things word for word, week after week, year after year, they become engraved in our minds and deeply into our hearts. We notice when they change. We feel it when it isn't right. Liturgy, which literally means the work of the people, the things we do together, our rituals, our routines, it pulls us together. It gives us shared experience, gives us a moment and a people to belong to. Human beings have this primal, deep yearning for experiences together. You remember back when people were allowed to gather in large groups, when flash mobs were a thing? I could not get enough watching flash mobs on YouTube. You remember what a flash mob is. It's when people would be going about their day. A group of people would do a random, unexpected thing and then go on about their day like nothing happened. I remember this one. It was a really crowded food mall, a food court in a mall. People were eating lunch and the tune for the Hallelujah Chorus started playing. When it was time, one woman stood and belted out the beautiful beginning lines. Then another person stood and added their voice and another and another and another until there was an entire choir singing to the climax of the song. It brings me to tears within the first few words every single time. There's something about the shared, unexpected, powerful experience of the unsuspecting crowd that draws me into the shared connection. This deep human yearning for collective experiences is interesting because it's not in and of itself a good thing. It can be a neutral thing. Think of singing a song together at a concert when thousands sing together with tears in their eyes. Or when you hear that beat come over the speakers at a sports game. And then the first couple of words, we will, we will. You know what comes next. It's not always neutral or good. When coming together is marred with hate, anger, and fear, Crowds of people can drive themselves to do the unthinkable. It is really easy to judge the events at the Capitol this week, to judge the people that were there as the other, not as smart or knowledgeable or Christ followers. 
to space ourselves from their actions, to pretend like we don't also have that very basic human need to have these deeply meaningful shared experiences. When we push them away as the other, we reject the invitation to look into our own lives, to evaluate and heal and repent of the ways in which we get caught up in unhealthy communities and head the wrong direction. This need to come together as a community, to worship something bigger than the individuals or the group, whether it be golden calves, sports teams, politics, cults, God, unless you are a child, it is your responsibility to put yourself in communities that are healthy and brave and focused on something good because coming together in a healthy community driven by this deep human need for these powerful shared experiences, they can start to heal the wounds of a traumatized community. When we come together to share authentic joy, hope, and pain, we melt the pervasive cynicism that often cloaks our better human nature. And not all experiences have to make the national news to make a difference. In fact, the small things we do, our weekly liturgy, it digs itself even deeper into our lives and communities. Just listen to some of these words and feel the power they hold for you. Our Father, who art in heaven, now go forth in peace, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Dearly beloved, we are gathered together in the sight of God to witness and bless the joining together. Dying, Christ destroyed our death. Rising, Christ restored our life. For those of you that commit to showing up week after week, we will be adding one more opening line to the words that grasp us. God, you are our strength and our shield. We begin our time together each and every week by pointing towards the one we come to worship. God, you are our strength and our shield. This is a paraphrase of Psalm 287. It is printed in our bulletin as invitation to join us week after week in the reading of the text. My hope is that reading it week after week after week it becomes a reminder of who walks with us in the midst of trouble, because I believe we need something bigger than us to turn to. When we are walking through the fears of the wilderness, when we are called to be courageous, when we are facing hate and division and anger, that we might stand in the midst of all of that because we come together week after week and together remind each other that it is God that it is at our center. We come together under this liturgy because every week we need reminding. We are inviting this truth into the depth of who we are. God, you are our strength and our shield. Whether we know it or not, whether we see it or not, when it is so hard to remember, Will you say it with me? God, you are our strength and our shield. When the world feels like it is crushing in around us, God, 
you are our strength and our shield. When it feels like pandemic, division, and hate and anger will never end, God, you are our strength and our shield. No matter how dark life becomes, God, you are our strength and our shield. In the times of life when we forget about God and look to ourselves or any idol to be our strength and shield, it is simple words that we repeated together time and time again that we turn to for the reminder that God, you are our strength and our shield. Liturgy is a reminder of the belief, of our belief, that God, you are our strength and our shield. Because we need that reminder. We need it this week. We need. We will need it next week. And we will need it the week after. God, you are our strength and our shield. There's a small town in Alabama. It's the kind of small town built on faith. Everyone knows everyone else. And everyone goes to church every week. This is a place where the song, Jesus Loves Me, has rocked generations to sleep. And the congregation still stands to pray the Lord's Prayer together week after week. On Palm Sunday in 1994, at Goshen United Methodist Church, the children came in waving their palm branches, preparing for the Passion Play, for the entrance of Christ later in the service. The church was packed more children than they had ever seen filling that little small town church. The Reverend Kelly Clem wasn't preaching that morning. Instead, she was watching the Passion Play, the sharing of the story of Christ's final week, helping lead and guide the kids. Right before one of the kids stood to sing a solo, the power went out, taking the microphones and background track with it. So Pastor Kelly poked the young soloist's sister and asked her, Will you sing with your sister? You know the song too. So the storm started raging outside, the thunder and lightning almost bringing more drama to the drama happening that Sunday morning. Until the storm was no longer strong winds and rain, but so much more. Windows started breaking, the roof was ripped from the sanctuary. One boy remembers looking up and seeing an upside-down car being blown about by a massive tornado. If you would have sat down to drink your morning coffee and read that small-town paper the very next day, you would have found an entire page of obituaries, half from that sanctuary, half of those kids. One of those kids, four-year-old Hannah, Pastor Kelly's beautiful daughter, so young, so full of life, this baby that loved to dance and sing and paint, gone. For three days, Kelly and her husband worked for their friends and parishioners and swallowed their own pain, gracious and strong. The first step towards healing happened on Wednesday as Reverend Kelly, her face covered with bruises from the fallen roof, buried her daughter. Family, friends, the congregation turned to their shared liturgy, familiar words grounding them in something so much bigger than their grief, as together they walked Hannah her last mile home. 
Kelly followed Hannah's tiny white and pink casket up the aisle at the First United Methodist Church. Dying, Christ destroyed our death. Rising, Christ restored our life. The 400 mourners stood and said the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, they sang familiar songs, prayed familiar prayers. Then Hannah's coffin was moved, slowly back down the aisle to the hearse, the organist playing, Jesus loves me. God, you are our strength and our shield. I did it a moving sermon. I, I, there, there was something emotional to me about the sermon. And I think, I think it speaks about the emotional nature of that liturgy. So often, so often the stuff we say, it's funny, we use the phrase, we recite the Lord's Prayer. But that's really not right, really. We, we shouldn't be reciting the Lord's Prayer. We should be praying the Lord's Prayer. Mm. My name is Kent Ingram, and I'm pastor at First United Methodist Church in Colorado Springs and have the joy of working with Tiffany and this great congregation. And my name is Tiffany. One of the things that struck me when, when, I, when I listened to that sermon was the power that those words really have. Um, and, and the power that they have in the context of worship and the power that, that, that liturgy, that, that shared words have, in lots of places in our lives. And, and so when, when I listened to that sermon, I kept thinking about those words that we use week after week after week that define us and shape us and mold us into a community. Um, and, and, and the words that if we're not, if we're not careful, we recite, we, we, we say, um, but. No, so I, I have a, just a, as you're saying that a question, a thought, um, I had this moment, I don't think I've ever done this, eh, I might have done it in a sermon, but, you know, close your eyes mm. and hear these words. Mm -hmm. And it, that was risky for me, right? Because, first of all, like, I knew there were people parked in the parking lot, like my kid, that <laughs> he didn't, he hasn't gone to church for years. You know, he didn't, he wasn't raised in the church. He, he heard some of this stuff. But for him to close his eyes and hear dying, Christ um, destroyed our death. That wasn't going to mean anything to him. And I wasn't sure if it, if it had, like, where's that line where it had the emotional pull I was looking for, but not alienating others. Yeah, yeah it's funny because I, there's a tendency sometimes when I preach to, anybody preaches, I think, to try to make sure you include everybody. And so you make it as general and broad as possible. But I think it was Craddock who talked about things that are, people can relate to things that are specific, even if it's not their experience. I mean, I think, I think that your son knows that those words have meaning for people who go to church. And maybe they're, maybe they're words that came to mind for him that have meaning in a very specific way. This would be the word for me that had meaning. I just think that being specific, um, people can relate to it better than being so broad and general that it's just so vague that it really doesn't speak to anybody at all. So I thought that was really powerful. 
I mean, I, you know, I closed my eyes. I literally closed my eyes and, and, and could put myself in the place of where those words are being said. One of the things I've done over the years, I don't do it very often, once, twice, three times a year, is because I don't lead the Lord's Prayer. Uh, somebody else usually is doing that. Is I just stop and listen. Mm. It's really interesting to just hear a congregation pray that. Um, it, it, it just it's a different feeling. So I, you know, my, my initial reaction to this sermon was it was a it was a powerful reaction to me because there was this this being brought back to these places where we recited these shared words and they bound us together and gave us some identity. Um, I thought that was neat. Now. You're doing something interesting. You're referring to something that we've done over the years, generations, and centuries to point out the need to do something new in your place. Uh, <laughs> right? like I'm going to add to this list of things. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, about the liturgy that, that you're adding. What, what, what is this for uh, Heartstrings Worship? My undergrad is actually in business. And of course, in business, you, you have this need to set the mission, the vision, the, in some ways, the anchor, you know, the, the driving factor around decisions. When we have hard choices to make, you know, what, what is going to help us decide those decisions? Um, and part of that is to help who decides who comes. You know, who is it? when I'm preaching that I'm speaking to. For instance, for you, your traditional service, I mean, your services, most of them, have people that have been in the church for a really long time. You know, you do these liturgies, these words that, that really do sink deeply into our soul. And, and these people have been saying them literally for generations. You know, and Patty out east um, at the Prairie Campus, when she sat down and looked at it, you know, for her, she's very progressive and, you know, uh, with progressive people with more conservative backgrounds. And, and she's helping navigate, you know, that world with them in a mixed congregation, you know, and that, that both of those are very valid. I think both of those count. And I had to sit down and really decide who is it? Who's, who's going to come to heartstrings? Who are the people that God has called me to lead? And for me, there's a few things in there. One of them being this place that is a table where everybody is welcome to come question and doubt and lean into the mystery and not have every answer all the time, you know? And, and, and I think that opening up the give God an inch, the, the open up just a little bit and, and question doubt, lean into the mystery those are the people that I'm called to lead because that was my, my story. 
I was so sure Christianity was just wrong. It was how I was raised. It's just wrong, judgmental, hypocritical. And then there was this moment where I just opened up a little bit and just that, that, okay, maybe was enough for God to just pour into me this abundant love and grace. And, and so that all of that, all of the things mattered when we were looking for something to really ground us in. And we threw out Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. Like, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And I think it was you one day found, um, no, I found this Psalm and went, oh, this feels like it. And then because it spoke to God, like God is our strength. It's not something out there that's our strength. And there was a lot of heart words in it. So this, um, the heart of who we are, this feeling, these emotions, um, for me, the, this wild heart, right? That's where we kind of started is, and you told me, like, we need to be, like, what does wild heart even mean? Like, like, what does that mean? And it's like, well, I need to explain it and we need to have something that brings it in front of the people all the time. So, um, and this psalm fit perfectly in that. And you found a translation that worked even better. And we, we, I did change a little bit of it. So we used the word courage in it. And I added the word wild in front of wild hearts in one place. And it speaks to grace. It speaks to God God giving and loving, and it speaks to our responding to that grace. So if you could share, if you could describe what you hope to shape people into your community into, what would that community look like? I hope that we become a community and maybe not in every moment, but together, if we look at us, what defines us uh, is compassion. And the interesting thing about compassion is that the most compassionate people are the people that are clearest around boundaries. Um, and I think that matters to say, you know, what's okay? Well, what's okay here is listening, is leaning into the mystery is not having to know it all but what's not okay is you know being hateful or um assuming everybody has to agree with me it, so compassionate matters to me um open matters to me every time i begin my sermon it's open us up and that's because I believe with everything that I am that what I know is not the all of knowledge. <laughs> I, I am very clear that I don't know everything. So my prayer is to open up. And for me, that's courage. It takes courage to be open, to, to admit I don't know everything, to invite people. Um, to open up to maybe they don't know everything either. So compassionate and open. Um, and, and I think both of those contain a, a growth, a willingness to grow in God. I, I don't think any of those things, I don't think compassion or being open 
or being willing to grow in discipleship where God would call us comes without, without some rootedness in God's love and grace. Talk to me about the wild wild part. So Brene Brown, I, I, I really appreciate Brene Brown and all of her work. And in Braving the Wilderness, she calls us to have um, strong back, which is really standing strong in our convictions and what we know, um, a soft front. So that's the compassionate part. That's the the not being so armored up that we can't connect. And the third thing she says is wild hearts. So strong back, soft front, wild hearts. Um, wild hearts is that risky part of life. That extravagant chasing of, of God's love and being willing to risk it all for God. Powerful. Can I change just a little bit? I, I want to ask you a little bit about a, a technique, something you did in the sermon that uh, I, I don't know that I've ever done, and I know that you, I've never seen you do it. You may have done it before, but when you, you invited us to to um, to respond by saying a phrase over, God, you are our strength and our shield, right? Yeah. Tell, tell me, why? Of course, that was the verse you were preaching from. Why did you do that? I, th I thought it was very powerful. By the way. Why did you and you didn't know it was coming, right? I didn't know it was coming, no. <laughs> so the version, that, so you often usually read my sermons before I preach them um, and, and help me walk through some of the details. And this one, it did not have that. And I think it was two days before I preached it. I'm like, oh, like, the, I, like I got that refrain and it started showing up and and something, I don't know, I don't know where, you know, ideas, they just show up and you're just like, okay, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and it like, um, yeah, it was to hear, to invite people. And I only invited them once that first time. Can you say it with me? God, you are our strength and our shield. And then I said a short sentence, God, you are our strength and our shield. And another short sentence, like, God, when it feels like pandemic and darkness and hatred and division, it's never going to end. God, you are our strength and our shield. And I heard you standing behind me repeating it. And my assumption is that people, like, like I was slowing down just enough after I said, God, you are our strength and our shield. I wanted that to move from head to heart. And the, the awesome thing about it is like on Facebook afterwards, like even at the traditional worship service, I don't know if you saw that, but somebody posted, God, you are our strength and our shield. Mm -hmm. And on the heartstring service, God, you are our strength and our shield. Um, my hope is, is that that really starts a, I believe in pointing stuff out. So we're just pointing out that it's there. Like we can say this week after week, but if we've never pointed it out, I don't know if people will know. And it's another thing to see it. And it's another thing to feel it. Mm. So my hope was, as a standing in the darkness and the shadows, that something about somewhere deep inside us, people would go, oh God, you are our strength and our shield. So, and this will go going back now to the sermon a little bit. You had a 
section of the sermon where you kind of talked about the sociology of that of that shared world and shared experience and you, you told this story about your experience and the emotion around watching a flash mob in a food court doing the hallelujah course well told and a beautiful beautiful image um i guess the question is is that obviously it's not a flash mob but 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 are you hoping that that these words will evoke in people over the period of time that they come and participate in heartstrings that kind of emotional response that, that it's more than just reciting these words that god you are strength and our shield feels like the hallelujah chorus in a in a food court uh, anyway i thought that was interesting that that section in the middle yeah it's a little different than that um okay. so the big moments are big they're a big deal they pull us together they're really important for human as human beings to have the moments that we're emotionally connected with each other um but studies show science shows that the little moments count just as much so as a culture, when we stopped going to funerals, I, I don't whether it's a funeral or a memorial service, um, when, when the community stopped coming together around those, we lost a connection that we really, really need. Um, when we stopped going to weddings, when, when, we, when we stopped doing these moments of being together in each other's grief, being together in each other's joy, coming to worship week after week, and, and being in that place, something happens in worship, like that's where the tears come, that's where joy comes, that, that's where the things of the world are set aside and you get to really just show up. Um, so there's a moment in the sermon, and I was actually really upset with myself, <laughs> I forgot to say it, and I, I circled back around at the end when I was preaching it, um, that those moments, like it feels like there's this thin veil of like cellophane or between us, like keeping us all apart, you know? Um, these moments, even if they're small and repetitive, they start taking away that, 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 that veil that disconnects us and um, allows us cynicism as the word Brene Brown uses it, it kind of takes away the cynicism and allows us to connect in a really deep human way and it I mean if we're let's say I stood in the middle of that flash mob that brings me tears every time and I stood in the middle of that and said okay let's talk about what happened at the Capitol next week or last week right we have all of the sudden lost the human connection and inserted division. Mm -hmm. We can insert the division in the conversations and talking, but we can't do that without the, the, if we don't have those moments of human connection like worship, then it's all just division. Yeah. Well, and obviously that, that backdrop that was behind everything that was said and done Sunday were the events in the nation's capital uh, just four, three or four or five days earlier than that. And, and uh, I think you've addressed that, but is there anything else more you want to say about how, how, how your hope for this shared liturgy can pull us together, can, can, can bring together just all kinds of people? Because you, you have all kinds of people. <laughs> In the community, as do I. <laughs> we laugh because, like, you know, if we're not, you and I laugh sometimes if we're not getting hit from the left and the right, we're doing something wrong. 
yeah. or we're worshiping a side or the other um gosh the capital this week was the interesting thing for me is the generational difference in the response the older you are it seems like the more we took it personally and were afraid and felt like it was a big deal i also hang out with a lot of younger people early 20s young adults who were like really like i like oh i didn't realize that could have been a big deal because you know active shooters you know riots protests the you know covid 19 they're like this is just another thing in their day um that was the harder thing to speak into this one mm. uh, right and, and my challenge was and because i think it really matters is that as adults so unless you're a child if you're a child you can don't get to choose this but if you're an adult you're responsible for choosing healthy communities to surround yourself with because they will change you the communities we are, we are in change us I was reading on Facebook today, somebody that's like, well, I can be on any social media platform I want because they don't change me at all. But maybe you all are weak and are affected by the communities you're in. And, and there is a, that is people lying to themselves. Not every person that committed atrocities in the Holocaust were sociopaths, narcissists, what they were was surrounded by communities of hate yeah. and got wrapped up into it. Um, so I hope, this is part going back to the liturgy, right? That we keep our eyes on God and love and wild hearts and courage, um, that those things keep us together and focused on something healthy. The story at the end was a very powerful story, an evocative, uh, an emotional story um, about the tornado on Palm Sunday in Goshen, Alabama, was it Mississippi? It was in Alabama. It's Goshen for Goshen United Methodist Church, but it was not. That's not the town name. Okay, I see. Got it. Okay. It took me a little while in the research to actually discover that, and it, okay. anyway, yeah. Say a little bit about that story and why you chose to end with that one. Because <laughs> I'm like, I need a story, and you're like, here's one. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, because it was tragic, and it, the original, it was a Rick brag story that you brought to me and I did research after that like beyond that too but um the question in the article was how did God make this happen like why would God do this and that's in the in the original story which I totally ignored and didn't address that at all and but the pastor did in the article and she was like God didn't make this happen like there was wind and a tornado it's part of you know our, our planet these are things that happen and um so i kind of set aside that part but there's this moment 
where the shared liturgy you brings you to tears, right? Like to bury your four-year-old daughter for a pastor to bury her four-year-old daughter um, who died in church on a Palm Sunday um, is, is devastating. It, it's heartbreaking. And the healing started, you know, when they hear these words dying, Christ's, I don't know. I don't, I can't pull them up. Christ <laughs> um, destroyed our death. Destroyed our death, rising. Christ, Christ restored our life. Um, when they said the Lord's Prayer together, I mean, this is another moment you could say, you know, somebody could have stood up, stood up and started talking about like how God did this or God didn't do this or why, but the healing happened in the singing of the songs. Jesus loves me, yeah. Jesus loves me. The healing happened in the words, our Father who art in heaven. It's just, it was, it was a perfect story, I, I think, for the sermon. I think to, to bring together the power of liturgy because let's pretend they didn't have a liturgy. Let, let's pretend you're just coming to a building and you don't have a shared anything. I mean, there's not, it, it would be just letting somebody else do the work of the healing. And with the liturgy that people knew that were so deep in their souls, when they stood up and said, um, that brought healing. I wonder if, if she could sing the words, if she could pray the prayer, maybe not, but, but the community that surrounded her could. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, because I, earlier, like I say in there, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Say what you just said again. Let me see if I can pull it up. I said, you wonder if she could sing the song, if she could pray the prayer. Oh, in the beginning, in the very, in the intro to the sermon, I say, you know, when one of us loses our way or wanders away, the rest of us bring us back, bring them back. Yeah. I was setting you up for that line. Huh? I was setting you up for that line. Were you really? I knew, I knew that's what you had said. I knew it was a powerful image. But yeah, it is. I mean, it, it really is. To, to, to the, the liturgy is bigger than just me reciting it. I mean, it's it's the community holding us together. And some days we're strong, and some days we're weak. And, mm. and, uh, and if we show up, whether we're strong, that's right, or whether we're weak, that's right. So, what was your? I think. Well, I, before, I, oh, okay. Before you leave that, I remember a pastor who. Um, before you pronounce the benediction, he would he would say, I don't want you to close your eyes, and I don't want you to bow your heads. So I don't want you to look around and see who's around you, because you might need one of them this week, and they might need you to really pronounce the benediction. I want to do that, but I can't do that because coronavirus. Anyway, powerful image. I'm sorry to be around you. Maybe I could, I mean, but that might be worth, I'll have to think through that, because there's something about that that I really... Yeah, very powerful. That feels so right. And it's really hard right now because we're in cars. And I mean, I literally, 
I am probably the only pastor in the history of pastors that have ever done this, but I you know, got on Facebook a couple hours before service started and said, hey, stay home. <laughs> the roads yeah. aren't the best. Yeah. Um, and most people listen to me. They <laughs> <laughs> did, a lot of them. Um, but in that case, how do you, how do you keep connection? How do you yeah. invite people to lean on one another outside of the liturgy in times of pandemic. Yeah. It is really hard to pick up your phone and to text somebody and just say, hey, I need you today. Yeah, very hard. You know, and that's in some ways the only option right now because you're not going to run into them in church. You're not going to run into them in the store. Mm-hmm. You know, you might hopefully run into them on Facebook. And that's not the same, you know? Going back to the sermon, the liturgy, for you, you don't preach series very often. And if you do, they're, you know, lectionary calendar-based series. Do you, are you finding so far in, in the series life and purpose and you know, is this a good move for me i think i think it's a defining time for your community and i think this is a good way to help identify your vision for what you see this community being now you've only preached one sermon in the series so i, I can't really tell yeah. you so, how, how hanging together but but, I, but I, I think the idea makes sense to me thus far and one sermon in, mm-hmm. how would I do? Well, I think you did a great job because because I, I walked away from that sermon knowing that God is my strength and my shield. Yeah, but did you walk away from that sermon knowing that heart strength believes God is your strength, is our strength and our shield, even in days when we don't know that that's so sure as individuals? Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 know, I know that's your vision for the community you're creating. Yeah. And I think that's all we can say at this point, right? We, we're still <laughs> in cars. We, we, you know, we, we yeah. wait another out the window. That, that's about it. But, uh, but, but I do think the thing you pointed out, because I saw it too, and I was watching the 11 o'clock service, and, you know, something was being said in that service. One of the persons that had participated in Heartstrings Online typed in the comments, God is my strength and my shield. I mean, obviously they they took that from the previous service an hour before and carried it with them. So that's a good sign. That is a good sign. I think making y'all say it was helpful. I do too. I do too. Okay. And I did it. I closed my eyes. And I guess I didn't, I closed my eyes for the uh, liturgy and opened my eyes for the God is my strength and my shield. I looked to see in the windshields and everybody was saying it that I saw it. So that's good. Okay, just a funny moment that I'm going to point out because I've, I've, I've done this for an entire week now is every time you say it, you say it a different way. And I know that because every time I said it, I said it a different way. So back in my written sermon, I actually had to go change the words because the, the words are, God, you are our strength and our shield. And I had it a totally different way for part of the sermon, a second way at the beginning of the sermon, and a third way at the end of the sermon. So I'm just laughing 
because on the other hand, it is still new. <laughs> it is. We don't have it's not, it. Yeah. It's not sunk in yet. Hopefully it'll get there. Well, and, you know, we have it written down, just like the Lord's Prayer in my little black book. And uh, that's hilarious. Yes. Inviting yes. people to say it week after week. Maybe, maybe we'll, as a community, learn it together. Uh, so this has been awesome. Is there yeah. anything else you feel like you walked away with that we should say? I think we've covered it pretty well today, Tiffany. <laughs> it was a great sermon. I want to thank you for it. Awesome. Um, I guess we will hand it back off to the band then. Let's go. <laughs> All right, bye.